everybody and welcome back to Don't Quit Your Day Job. My name is Paul. I am your host as per the usual today from maybe near the birthplace, the future birthplace of Captain James T. Kirk. I think that that's right. I have Mike Schulte uh, from Iowa City. Mike, welcome to the show. I actually just played a show in Riverside, Iowa for New Year's Eve. Uh, it, has he already been born technically or or is it still coming up? Actually, so I don't know. Like I've never <laughs> I've never watched an episode of Star Trek in my life. Me right? neither. <laughs> and I like to make fun of it. My son's really into Star Trek. Uh, but I do know that because we go camping a lot, my wife and I, and I know when I plan my trips, if I go through Iowa, that's that's a thing, right? People go to it. Have you ever been to Iowa before? I've never been to Iowa. Well, there's really nothing. So, I mean, like, I think you're fine. I don't I don't think you really need to check anything off your list at this point. <laughs> right now it's negative five. That's cool. Oh, man. Oh, oh, well, then that begs the question. You're doing band stuff. You have a podcast. You talk about a lot of stuff. You're a busy guy. Why stay in Iowa of all fucking places, right? Why? And it's, it's a weird thing, right? So I actually grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, the big old city okay, down there on yeah. the river. And I lived there till I was 14. My dad took a new job and he moved the family up to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And I will never forget just telling myself like, oh, just wait till I'm 18. I'm going to graduate high school and I'm out. I'm heading to the coast. I'm going to play music. And then I, and then I said, well, well, hold on. Well, you know, I got a really good, there's a really good college here. Let me, let me go to college here. Okay. And then I am, man, I'm out of here. And you know what? By the time I was 23, 24, 25, I just kind of fell in love with this place. And and this is a while back right now. I'm, I'm 41 and you can just you can travel anywhere you want, but you can't change the people around you and yeah. you can't change like what you do in your area. And I've just I've built such an incredible network of family and friends and and like I can I can play gigs anywhere. I can I can podcast with you. We're not even yeah. in the same town. And it's it's so easy to do that stuff. Right. So there's an airport by my house. I can fly wherever I want. But I I just fell in love with I call it small town Iowa. Uh, but I mean, 250,000 people is not that small, but right. it is to me. And I just I love I love Iowa, man. I, I'm joking about nothing here. You should definitely come visit. So that makes me think about <clears throat> a normal sort of. East Coaster American person or a West Coaster American person or a European person for that matter, when they think of middle America, they think that there's legitimately nothing there, right? It's cornfields and and that's basically it. And I've driven through Kansas and, and all of those places and it, a lot of it is like that, but there are <laughs> cities, right? Yeah, Des, Mo Des Moines, Iowa is like... Three million people. It's our largest city in Iowa, and it's like if you if you were to just wake up there, you know, being in Pittsburgh, and if mm -hmm. you just woke up and you were in Des Moines, you would you would you would think you're just in a giant big city somewhere. You okay. know, I mean, we're everything's the same. It's just <laughs> once you leave the town, you're like, wow, <laughs> what, what is this? <laughs> so, if you're gonna play shows, if you're a young indie band and you're basing yourself in Iowa, so let's say Slipknot early years, yeah. right? How are you going to play shows? Because the advantage of the East Coast is you can play 20 shows in 20 days and be in different places very easily, but you can't do that in middle America. 
Well, you know what? So, so I started playing music when I was, I started playing drums when I was 10 years old. My uncle just kind of dropped off a drum set at my house said, here, have this. And, mm-hmm. and I said, okay. And you know, you, you teach yourself how to play drums. You play along to stuff. When I'm 14, I moved to Iowa. I meet some like-minded people. You start playing in a band. My main project when I was a teenager and in college was a, a kind of a hardcore band called Brian Jones. We played for about six, seven years. And the, the crazy part about a place like Iowa is that, yeah, you know, we live in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. If we want to play another show, we're going to have to drive pretty far to Chicago mm-hmm. or pretty far to right. St. Louis or to Minneapolis, which they're all drivable. They're all four hours. But you learn this really cool thing in the Midwest that small towns like music too, right? Like a, a, a town with 10,000 people, they have kids who love music. Right. And sometimes they support it more than 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 a big town does because it's the only event happening. Yeah. So we used to yeah. make our bread and butter driving to places like, like Pierre, South Dakota or uh, Mankato, Minnesota or uh, Champaign, Illinois, these small towns where – when you rolled into town, every kid showed up and every kid bought merch and every kid loved it. And they were so thankful that you came through town. So, you know, yeah, it'd be great to to live somewhere where you could just hit New York, Philly, right. Pittsburgh, like hit. A, but, man, I'm telling you, sometimes middle America, small town, that's where the, the heartbeat is of, of young kids that want to consume music. That that makes that makes a lot of sense. I've played some really great shows like we played some corn silo in eastern right. <laughs> eastern Pennsylvania somewhere. I don't even remember where it was, right? But it, there were a million kids there, right? Yeah. That's exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. It really is, yeah. Um, all right, so you're a bit older now. You you did the, the younger rock band, punk rock thing. Did you think that, you know, thinking about Iowa and thinking about a band like Slipknot, who who made it huge, right? When I think of Iowa rock bands, I think of Slipknot. I'm not a particular huge it. fan of, <laughs> of Slipknot, right? But but they made it. Um was is was that the dream when when you were a kid? Yeah. Completely, man. I mean this band that I was in, we we toured. We we went to the West Coast a couple times and back and you have that dream. It's it's ingrained to you. How, how old are you? I'm fifty six now. Okay. So like, I mean, anybody of, of my age and up, you just have that dream built in of like, oh yeah, you, one day a record, record exec walks up and he goes, you guys are great. Here's a million dollars. And you just right. think it's going to happen and you picture yourself doing it. And you realize that it just gets harder and harder and harder with every passing year of, yeah. of how do you get discovered? And, and I think that is a detriment to bands that are in smaller town, middle America is that you, you really don't have that opportunity. And especially when, when we were doing this, it's pre internet, like we know it today, right. right now, right now, I feel like anybody can be found anywhere in the world with the internet, but that was in that weird world where there was no real, it was like MySpace, and that yeah, was it. And yeah. so, yeah, man, my dream was always to, to make it big. And, and, you know, we, we cut some albums, we had some moderate success, but all of a sudden you're 25 years old and bills are piling up and <laughs> you got to be an adult all of a sudden. So I, I hung my drums up, man, for about, about two years. I said, Hey, that's a kid's thing. I'm, I'm an adult. I, I don't do that. And, and that's when my current path kind of took hold is a, a buddy of mine. I met him at, at corporate America and he goes, Hey, I hear you play drums. I, ah, no, that was, that was a long time ago, <laughs> you know? And, and he, he goes, well, would you want to start my, uh, start a cover band with me? And I said, uh, cover band. You, are you kidding me? Like, sell my soul, like get out of here, bro. And he, 
he he then said something very interesting. He said, "Yeah, but we'll make like 150 bucks a piece." And I was like, "Oh, well, hold on, hold on. Maybe I don't have to tell anybody about this cover band, but I can." And and from that moment, um, it reinvigorated my love for playing. Right, this this ability to just almost achieve rock stardom in yeah. a weird way yeah. without having found it in the old stuff. And so it eventually led me to the band I'm in right now called the pork tornadoes where we're this, we're a cover band, man. And, and we play, we play in front of two, three, four, five thousand 5,000 people at every show and sell tickets. And, and I've made more money playing in this cover band than I could have ever thought possible in music. And so I'm this guy where, you know, I've, I will field anything, man. I, I see the hate for cover bands. I see, I see that everywhere, but I've been in both worlds and, and there's something special about both of them. Like right. I, I hate this kind of like head buddingness of like, you have to only write originals or you have to right. only be in a cover band. I'm, and, and here's the cool part too, is now that's afforded me to get back into music. And now I, I started a, an original project on the side called dope Walker and we've we're, we released an album. We got another one coming out here soon where I can almost have it have it both ways, right? I can have that creative. There's nothing like being in a studio with your friends and writing right. and crafting music. And I can have that. But then I can also go play in front of 5,000 people singing along to every word, you know? So it's it's been a weird, weird, wild journey, man. But I, I'm just so thrilled with how it ended up. I agree with all of that, right? There... It doesn't have to be a sums a sum zero thing, right? You can do everything and enjoy what you enjoy. Uh, you know, as someone who also plays in cover bands and does a lot of original yeah. stuff, um, the f they're still fun to be had, but the fun is different, right? It's is, totally is, different. Is how right. I would describe it, right? You have the freedom of I'm doing my own thing, and people are into it, and people are connecting to something that I created. Versus here is a shit ton of people enjoying what I'm doing, even if I didn't create it. People are still having when people are having a really good time, especially a lot of people. That's fun. I don't care what you're playing. I, I don't care what you're playing, man. It's there's that's why we all that's that secondary drive of getting into music is that idea of being on that stage where people yeah. are like, you, you're the guy, you know? And, and, and to those who have never experienced that, man, when you, when you do feel that, um, you, you don't get rid of it. And that's why I think a lot of the bands we've seen over the years that we say, Oh, they've sold out, you know, uh, yeah. I, you know what, it's cause they got a taste of, of what it's like to find some success and find some money and find some fans and, and yeah, you don't, you, it's hard to give that up when you feel it. You is, know? is selling out still a bad thing? I mean, I guess it is for maybe crust punk culture or certain, you know, if you're yeah. in a black metal band, it's maybe not super desirable, but <laughs> I still bet that if someone said, here's a bunch of money, come on tour and make a record. Everyone's going to take that. Everyone. That's the thing. Any, anytime, like I, you know, I was way into new metal back in the day. And I remember when like, well, you're of Limp the right Biscuit. age for that. So yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, I liked Limp Bizkit like their first album, but then they came out with Nookie and I'm like, Oh God, you know, this is terrible. <laughs> but, but that's because anyone in that position, if you're, if you're, you don't understand how hard it is to get older and have families and, and not make money doing something that you're passionate about. Like yeah. it's easy when you're 16, you're like, Oh, we didn't make any money. That's fine. But yeah. we got two new fans tonight. But yeah. when you get older and you get families, like do it's, it's a question of, do you want to keep doing this or not? And if you do, you got to find ways to, to yeah. make more money and to get more fans. And so, yeah, I, I do think that 
selling out's got that bad connotation, but at the same time, doesn't selling out just mean success? Right. I think is usually what right. that means. Exactly. And right. The, the focus of this show a lot is success. And I, and I talk about success a lot. And one of those measures is financial success, but yeah. it's an important one because we all have to figure out the way that we're going to make money and support ourselves and, and whoever else. There are all the other measures of success, which are all equally valid, right? But there, if, if you're a musician and you want to play music and get paid for it, it's hard to do. And one of the ways to do it is be in a cover band. And, and I think the other thing that people think about cover bands is, oh, I can play a Green Day song and now I'm a cover band, <laughs> right? No, being a good cover band is a different skill set. It really is. And, and that's, we didn't know that we were going down this route because you just kind of experiment, but we, our things sure enough sort of became rock versions of, mm -hmm. of girl pop songs right. and, and just pop songs in general. And we didn't try to do that, but you know, when all of a sudden you play a, you play a Katy Perry song or a Taylor Swift song one night in front of a group of people and you rock it up and yeah. And they love it. Yeah. You when you know that moment when you're seeing girls and guys singing along to a Taylor yeah. Swift song, you're like, yeah. okay, we I think we got something here. Yeah. And you're you're right, man. It's just it's it's finding a finding a niche, but then making it your own. Mm -hmm. Also, it's doing doing tribute to whatever that artist did with the song they wrote, but also being like, oh, but that's the Pork Tornadoes playing that song. You right. know, it it's a very hard thing to do. We can all play Wonderwall, but can you? Can you play Wonderwall and really capture people on top of that? That's the question, you know? Right, right. There's the the recognizability, right? Someone recognizes a song and they, oh, I know this song. I can sing along to this song. But then there's also like the playing well part, right? You have to you have to do the music some sort of justice. Yeah, and, and the the biggest compliment that people give us, they say a guy will come up and say, "Listen, I, you know, I don't I don't like Lady Gaga or I don't like Taylor Swift, but if they sounded the way you sound, yeah, I would be a fan." And that's like such a cool thing cuz you know what? I back in the day I was very very hardcore kid, you know, like ah, pop music, <laughs> screw that, but but there's something special about uh pop music in general or even just like bro country type stuff, you know, mm -hmm. like there's, there's a craft to writing a good song. And, and I, unfortunately too many people kind of crap on that, but it's like, if you really listen to some of these songs, you're like, man, that's just a, that's a hell of a songwriter. But it's right also there. the you downside know? of that sort of songwriting, right? Yep. Cause it's a formula and you can pick out the formula. Okay. Here's Completely. one, four, six, five, know. and here's the bridge. <laughs> and now here's the out, right? Everybody, I mean, you can, you can definitely recognize it, which is the downside. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know what, the, the beauty of the band has allowed us to not just play pop music. Like we try, we play, we go anywhere from, I mean, we're true variety, right? From the eighties through, through today, uh, rock, pop country, mm -hmm. hip, hip hop. I'm a, I'm a rapping drummer. So I do, we do like Coolio nice. gangsters paradise nice. and stuff like that, you know, where it's just fun to pick songs that we loved as kids or, songs that just move people and, and being being able to play them in front of a bunch of people. That's really what it's what it's kind of come down to. So why not do the drum break in in the air tonight way longer than you do it? I mean, you play it pretty straight on on the oh, recording, yeah. right? So you have a bunch of singles up on Spotify. Of course, I'll drop all the links. Everybody knows that. Um, but you should play that break like a million times longer than you do. You, you play it just like the record. 
Well, what do you think about this? I got an idea and I feel like it's either going to be the greatest idea or the worst. <laughs> what if, you know, that hole in the air tonight goes and everybody's feeling it, they're ready and it comes some stranger to you and me, but then it goes and it goes into um uh what is it? I'm too sexy for my shirt. Oh my god, right said friend, yeah. Right said Fred, or it goes into like Rick Astley, uh, yeah. never going to give you up. Yeah. It's, the tempo's a little off, but that kind of drum break is about yeah. the same. So I don't know if people will love that or hate it, but someday I want to try it. People will <laughs> lose their, my, my guess is people will lose their shit because there's no payoff, right? You're waiting for the payoff and then it never comes because now you're in a different thing. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's well, definitely, if you do that, you have to video it somehow to, to get that reaction. Right. Oh, we have to, man. We have to. And so we play with like a giant LED wall that is programmed to the music. Right. Mm -hmm. So like uh, if we're playing along to Blink-182, the v music video is playing in the background is perfectly synced up. So that would be a moment where it goes from like there's just this static and then all of a sudden it's into Rick Astley on the video yeah. screen. People yeah. are like, oh, my God, we I mean, Rick that's, rolled. that's Rick rolled on a, on a huge, huge level. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> exactly. that's pretty great. Uh, just as an aside here, what is a pork tornado? Uh, so this, this band's been around for 16 years and back when the band started, we had this brilliant idea to change our name every show, Okay. which, you know, is like, it's a brilliant idea, yeah, especially if you idea. want people to, if you want people to remember <laughs> you and, and know who you are, it's, it's brilliant. So we, and, and they were terrible names, right? Like on purpose, it was like swallowers of planets and, and just weird, yeah. weird names. And so we finally said, okay, whatever the next one is, we got to stick with it but it's got to be terrible. It's got to be bad. And, uh, a tornado had hit a pig farm and we were, we were listening to wow. the radio and this wacky FM DJ was like, Oh, it was a pork tornado, you know? And we go, well, that's the worst name we've Serendipity, ever heard. Serendipity. Yeah. Right. That happened at the and, right time. And that's 16 years ago. We never would have thought in a million years that this band would still be playing. So <laughs> the beauty of it is that when we do leave Iowa, we play a lot of we play a lot of fly in gigs where we'll go to L.A. or Orlando or whatever. And the beauty of that is people out of state go, oh, I get it. Iowa that you've, you've got pigs mm -hmm. and tornadoes. And, and we go, yep, that's good enough. You know, it, it does so, sort of sum us up from being from Iowa. Right. Uh, when when. Just one other aside here while I'm thinking about it. When people think of Iowa, one of the things that they might think of, especially since it just happened, is the the elections in Iowa. Iowa being the, caucus. the first uh, caucus state in the union. Uh, is our politics a big thing in Iowa? Do people talk about that a lot? Oh, yeah, man. Like I was I was very proud to have that first kind of caucus thing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we're the ones that. <laughs> It's like, well, whatever. And, you know, it's very interesting because we get asked a lot to um, participate in politics stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and we are very no, we right. we will not. We have we have personal beliefs on things, but we will never, ever tell you. I mean, that's social media lesson. Number one, right. like I, I believe do not ever take a stance on anything. But we did get asked. Here's an interesting story. We got asked to play Biden, Joe Biden's. Um, primary party. So like he hadn't been elected president yet, but the, his group hired us to play his party wow. in Des Moines. And so of course, if the money's right, like whatever, okay. we'll play. Uh, and we have our photo with the now president. Uh, he came in and had this long conversation with us and was laughing and telling jokes. And the sad part is this is, this is what makes me super sad is that I made this graphic of that photo of us with Joe Biden. And it just said, 
do you want to become the next president of the United States? Hire the pork tornadoes to play your party. <laughs> and I wanted to post it so bad. Like, you know, 30 years ago, that would have been a funny joke. People right. would have been like, oh, that's pretty good. But yeah. in the in the climate we're in, like, yeah. you just can't, you can't, we didn't even take a stance on anything. We just said, hey, this man paid us to play a party. Isn't this a funny joke? But you couldn't. In Iowa, especially, you could right. not post that. You cannot say it. So it, it'll sit in my vault forever, unfortunately, and never come out, I guess. If you get to the chance to play another one where the the winner actually becomes president, I mean, then your causation is two for two. So I think regardless of what's happening, you have to run with that, right? You have to. Yeah, it, it has to be a Republican this time or else it still won't work. They'll be like, oh, you only play Democrat shows. So, so we true. can do... If we could do Tricky Nikki Haley and and then Joe Biden and we could just have them go side by side, I think we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's switch gears because you do other stuff. You have a podcast called The Confused Breakfast, which which I checked out. So one of my one of my beefs with podcasting culture is lots of people do a podcast because they want to talk about stuff, but there's no rhyme or reason, right? It's just here's a show of me with my friends bullshitting like we do and surely someone will find this interesting. And that's just not necessarily true, right? Especially if you're not inherently interesting or funny or charming or as charming as you think you are. So or famous. But but your show is about stuff, right? So your show is about movies, primarily like older movies, right? And you and you talk about them and you and you have a format. Um and then you do the brunch thing, right? Which is which are shorter ones, which can be about other things, but again, you're still primarily talking about pop culture. Um, so why join the ever cluttered podcasting landscape? Well, first of all, uh, you nailed it. That's like my biggest, I laugh so hard when people are like, Oh, we should just record our conversations. It's so funny. And you will, and you will listen to them and you're like, dude, Oh my God, what, who told you this was a good idea? And, and so I, I agree with that. And in fact, I, I started a podcast like six, seven, eight years ago where it was the Iowa music scene, right? It was called the Iowa music podcast. And we, we talked to local Iowa musicians and it was more for musicians by musicians kind of a thing, you know, like, let's talk about yeah. what works for you. And I loved it so much, but I, I wanted to try something that was more global. Um, that was not where, where literally anyone could stumble upon this and they could, they could say, Oh, I love movies and, right. and I don't even know who this guy is. And so that's how the confused breakfast came about. But I was naive, man. I didn't realize how many podcasts are in the world. I, <laughs> I think I thought that I had a, like a, an original idea to go, Oh, wouldn't it be so fun if we, if we talked about classic movies and see if they held up today. And if, if we watched them again, would we like them? And right. I don't, I don't know, maybe I blocked it out of my brain, but I thought we were like the only ones that ever came up with that idea. And there are a million trillion billion movie podcasts. And that's why I feel so grateful. And I do feel like we have something really special because in this landscape of so many of them, people have found ours and they've loved us and, and we've done some crazy. It's been three plus years now. We've yeah. done almost like 200 movies. We we started a, a TikTok against my, nice. my best wishes. I was like, ah, TikTok, whatever. But I guess all the kids are doing it. And that that kind of blew up. We started putting clips of movies up there and things we were saying. And that eventually led uh, Bert Kreischer, the comedian. Do you know that guy? Yeah, yeah. The machine. He he found us on TikTok and then invited us out to L.A. to be a guest on his podcast. Nice. And then wow. it just, you know, like 
it's just one of those wild things where I, I'm convinced that this is this is anything creative, right? This is music. This is podcast. That if you have if you have something good, if it's a good product and you believe in it and you're putting everything you have behind it and you're consistent, like I do think eventually people will find yeah. find it and will approve of it, you know. But that's the thing that I'm sure you know uh, about podcasting that not many people other other people know is that you got a podcast for like at least a year or two before anybody's right. really going to pick up on something that you're doing. And you, you have do to be consistent, episodes, as you, know? you said, right? If you don't yes. put out an episode a week or every two weeks or whatever you're doing for your schedule, if you start missing stuff, people will drop away because it's just not there. Well, and, and you know, honestly, I don't know how many people tell you this, but I mean, mega props to you for, for doing this and having this venture and being consistent with it. Cause the general public does not know how hard it is to podcast, especially like interview style where, mm -hmm. where you got to line these guests up and people are flaking on you. And uh, it's, it's, I, you know, I just randomly stumbled on this podcast. I was, I'm always looking to consume music knowledge mostly, you know, right. like I'm trying to hear what other bands are doing. And sometimes I'll just get on Apple and I'll just type in like music podcast or band podcast and I'll just find whoever I can. And there's a lot of them out there, but there's not many that, that are, I guess I would call good. And I, I think something that you have going on here is incredible. I, I I've been listening probably for what only two months now, but the backlog is incredible, and I, I love all the people you talk to. Thanks, thanks. That is very much appreciated. And what I, again, what I try to do is talk to experienced guys, right? Because the idea here is, what is your experience? You got signed to a label in the '80s. That's very different from what someone's going to do now. But the experience yeah. is really interesting, and for a band that's just trying to figure out how to put out vinyl, does it make sense for you to put out vinyl? Right. This is something that I also talk about. If you're a band and you play in your hometown 17 times a year, you're not going to sell 100 copies of your record. You're just not, mm -hmm. right? Yep. <laughs> and and there's that there's that conversation of like how much of this is just is are you doing it for you? Mm -hmm. Just for the 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 awesome like cuz dude, I'm telling you, I wanted to be on vinyl so bad. I wanted one of my drum beats to be pressed on vinyl right. that I could hold up and go, "Yes." <laughs> and it took me it took me a long time to get to that point, but but when it happened, it was it was so worth it. And I'm almost glad that I didn't press some of those old band vinyls, right. you know, just to do it where it it made it to that point where it was um it was actual, you know, like right. it's like, okay, cool. We sold 500 of these. This is so crazy. Yeah, you know, yeah. do you know, um, do you know William Elliot Whitmore? Have you ever heard that name before? No, I haven't. He's a folk musician from Iowa. I would truly call him probably the second most famous music, like band or artist to come out of here other than Slipknot. He, um, I've played on a couple of his albums, just a studio cool. session drummer kind of thing. And he travels around quite a bit. If anybody out there is listening for more of the folk kind of yeah. dirty folk singer type stuff, he plays banjo and he's got a little kick drum with him. That, that was the first guy that ever I played drums on and he pressed an album and I was like, oh man, so good. Cool. That's great. I will definitely Such a special check him moment. out. Yeah. Cause I've had, uh, you know, I, a, a guy I would call a friend now, Tim Nave from Tennessee, who is like <clears throat> experimental folk is what I think he calls it, but he's, oh, he, cool. he's just a great, great songwriter. And it's one of those things where if more people can hear Tim Nave, maybe like, uh, William Whitmore, right. People are going to dig it because it's just good, you know? Well, and that's what, who, who was the guy you had on with the record club a couple episodes ago? 
That was Trev Allen. That was Trev Allen, yeah, yeah, from Massachusetts. I, I love that idea of how vinyl is. I mean, vinyl is definitely has made a comeback and yeah. is back and is, I think, what was it, 2020 was the first year that vinyl ever outsold CDs, yeah. like ever or something like that. But the idea that you can sign up for something like that and something that you have never heard of is just going to show, show up, up yeah. and you're like basically like you own it now yeah. and so you better listen to it. Yeah. I, I think that's such a... I, I love that we're going back that route that yeah. that somebody can just send you something and go, you need to hear this. Like this is this is someone you would have never found without me telling you, right. but you will right. love it and you need to listen to yeah. it. Yeah, it is. It is cool. And and uh, speaking of Trev, just for a minute, I, I think he's got really good taste and I think he understands like here's not just some shitty underground recorded thing that no one's going to like. And I just want to shove it in your face. He's, <laughs> right. he's trying to choose stuff that people will dig, you know? because that that's makes a, him that's more a special thing, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah that's a yeah. special thing when, when, you know, you, we've all been there where someone's handed you a, a CD or, or uh, sent you a link to something and said, Hey, you got to hear this. And where you, you have that, that moment where you fall in love. Like that is a special thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Uh, just back to the podcast uh, a little bit, your podcast, cause you're, you're talking about movies and you're actually going through the movies, um, and, and talking about them and re recording that. So that results in a longer podcast. Do you yeah. feel like you lose audience or, or I guess the real way to ask this question is how are you maintaining audience? How are you maintaining engagement for a longer format style podcast? Yeah, I don't know. Right. Like I, I think we, I think we built it to the point where, where the segments of the show kind of, they're mm -hmm. always in the same place. Right. If you, if you know, if you're like, Oh, I don't want to hear him read reviews about this movie, but I know that by the end of the, the ending of this movie is so crazy that I can't wait to hear what they say about it. You, yeah. you know where it's going to be at in yeah. the show. Cause yeah. we go in order. We, we, we introduce the show. We, we talk about the movie nostalgically what did we think about it as kids then we talk about it from a critical perspective who was in it how did this movie come about how much money did it make then we talk about it from a critical perspective of what did roger ebert say about this and what are fans saying about this and what are the reviews and then we go scene by scene through that movie and we talk about it with a modern eye so you know that if 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 you want to really hear what we have to say about the end of this movie that just fast forward and, and you'll right. get to it. So right. some people will see the movie we're doing this week and say, oh, I've never seen it before, so I won't listen. But um, we've, we've had pretty good luck with people just listening anyway, even if you haven't seen the movie or you haven't watched it in years, because we take a very uh, comedy approach to things. Yeah. We, we tell a lot of jokes and a lot of what ifs. We talk about a lot of fan theories. Like clearly this, the, the fan theory that blew us up on TikTok was that we were watching The Breakfast Club and we said, what if... Allison, you know, Allison's kind of the goth girl in, mm -hmm. in Breakfast Club. What if this was all just a dream for her? What if she was the only one in detention and and she used stereotypes of of the jock and the pretty girl and the smart kid and just made up these fake people in detention with her because she doesn't have any friends. Right. And clearly, dude, this is a John Hughes movie. That's not that's not <laughs> what was going on. John Hughes was very straightforward, but but we like to joke about that. Like, hey, wouldn't that be funny if if that was a thought on this movie? So uh, that that's we have a lot of fun with it. And if you like. 80s 90s movies you're gonna you're gonna love our our conversation and i love if you check us out but that is the magic of your show honestly and i and i'll plug it here all the other stuff is fine but the magic of your show is when you guys are talking about it and you're just sort of you know here's my experience with this and here's how it feels now right because 
because it's not, you don't get the sense that it's just some dudes bullshitting in a room off the cuff, right? You've, you right. guys have prepared, you know what you're talking about and you're engaging and, and that's what makes your show that. So I'm not a guy that loves to listen to long podcasts, but your show is, is good. So again, oh thanks man. Th- the quality speaks for itself. I think we shouldn't understate that, right? Quality is well, important. And- yeah, and, and I'll just say this for you and for us and for anyone out there that has a podcast or has a friend with a podcast, The it's so hard nowadays when every single celebrity can just start a yeah. podcast, uh, a famous musician, a famous actor, and yeah. they go, wow, we, we have a podcast now, and they'll have a million downloads <laughs> right. on day one because they're famous. And podcasting was always about average Joes and people just – with knowledge to just go, Hey, look, we can do something too. So if you have a friend with a podcast, like you do more for them by sharing it and, and engaging in it and sending those episodes out than you could ever imagine. So keep, keep support. If somebody says, Hey, what's a podcast recommendation? Don't send a celebrities podcast, send your buddies. Like that is the one you got to send. That is, that is great. Great advice. I do want to mention dual. I haven't listened to it yet, but dual just came up on my radar as a movie that I haven't seen like since I was a little kid, right? And I So you have seen it though, right? I have seen it a long time ago, but the, here's the thing, right? It's this is exactly your show. I haven't seen it for a long long time and I'm going to watch it and then I'm going to watch your podcast and see cool. or listen to your podcast and see how I feel about it. But that's like the whole point and I got excited when I was scrolling through because I listened to the Blair Witch one and I listened to a, a few other ones, but The Duel one I was like, "Oh shit, I want to watch Duel. This this is perfect." Dude, and- the beauty has been that there's been a lot of movies that, that I've have never seen that we've done on the podcast. So me being able to see it, duel was yeah. one of them. I had never even heard of it. Never even, never <laughs> even saw the poster for it. And so I'm going, Oh great. A, a movie about a truck and a car. Like, but dude, I loved it. I, I had never seen the warriors before. Oh and I like some of these, some of these old <laughs> movies that I finally got forced into watching. Yeah are some of my favorites I've ever seen yeah. just because of this show. And I don't know if I would have ever seen either of those movies without doing this podcast. That's great. So you are successful. I would say you have the pork tornadoes, you have dope Walker, which I just heard about in this episode, which, which I'll check out now. And, and you're doing the podcast, the confused breakfast. So are you still day jobbing? Are you know, how are you organizing your life now? What makes sense for you? And it's, it's really tough, right? Because, uh, I, I've been selling real estate. I've been a real estate agent for 16 years and uh, that's been my main career. But as the band slowly made this rise where we were playing more and making more money. And then the podcast came about because of COVID because the band went away. I needed a creative outlet. So I started doing that and both have really, I make more per hour doing the podcast in the band than I do in real estate technically. <laughs> and I just had my first child. My, my daughter is a year and a half now. And okay. I used to live my life on the verge of chaos, but just never crossing the line. Yeah. Cause I just, I love, I love being busy, but now with my daughter in my life, I I'm trying everything I can to see how I can make the band and the podcast, maybe be it, maybe be right. the only things I do, but you know how it is, man. It's really hard to give away something you've worked 16 years to, right, towards right. that, that you've built something and you've built a book of business and, and it's really hard to take that leap, but I don't know, man, I think after this year I'll have a better idea of can, can I do these things full time and, and, and make a living and provide for my family. So we'll see, man. I, I, I just, I'm just, I stay up, uh, 
eight, 20 hours a day and try to sleep when I can. And, and that's just <laughs> what I'm going to do, I guess. Right on. Well, I want to thank Mike Schulte from, again, the Pork Tornadoes, Confused Breakfast, Dope Walker. Uh, I'll drop all the links for all of his stuff. <clears throat> Thanks, everyone, supporting the podcast. It is very much appreciated. Mike, it has been really good to talk to you. I think we need to catch up again, uh, maybe in a year when you start to figure out what, what else you might do and, and see what you got going on. No, man, I'll be listening. So uh, let's keep in touch. If I ever make it to Pittsburgh, man, I, I know who to look up yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And same for you. If, you. if you come to Riverside, Iowa, let's talk, man. Yeah.